0: announcements before you get into stuff, a couple things coming up Christmas-wise that we don't want you to miss, and so next Saturday, this coming Saturday, will be um, a ladies' event here for the church that involves, um, I don't know, a lot of self grabbing and stuff, I think, and some food and some hanging out, some, some friendships, and so if you would love to be a part of that, to connect with some people at the Welcome Center, uh, the Welcome counter there, I'll give you the details, and I believe it's Saturday morning, 9, 10, or something like that. Um, then a week from Thursday on the 12th will be our adult Christmas dinner that happens down at Bear Dance. And so last year was our first to be a part of it, and I'll never miss it. It was such a blast. And it will be a great time for you, a wonderful chance for you to connect to people, get to know them. And so you can get some tickets for that out at the Welcome Center as well. It's a week from Thursday. And so um, somebody came in earlier and said, where has the year gone? Do you feel that way? The year has just gone just like that? Did you have a good Thanksgiving? Round of applause if you had a good Thanksgiving. Uh, a round of applause if you ate too much. Yay, yay, yay. for gluttony in church, right? And so, if you did had a great Thanksgiving, oh, it's good. We're kind of launching into our Advent series. And I love Advent. I love that Advent is the focus of our church. That we sort of kind of push Christmas off just a bit. And we kind of focus <laughs> in on this moment in the life of Israel's history when they did not yet have what they needed and they were waiting on what God has promised. See this season. And this season we call it, you know, in the popular culture the Christmas season. I don't know if you know this about this year's Christmas season. It's a little bit different than most. So I don't know if you've done the math. It's Twenty-seven days this year between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And I, it changes, of course, because, you know, Thanksgiving moves. Course, it does. on the 25th. It's like all and And so, because Thanksgiving moves, and it changes the space and, the space and the time that we have to, 27 days. And that was on Thanksgiving, you had 27 days. Now, because a couple days have passed, you've got 25 days. In fact, the truth is, by the time you get out of here, it'll be 24 and a half days. There's no shopping on your phone during, you that in the, evening, that's you're, the you're going to try to squeeze it all in, and you feel a little bit frenetic. Here are some things I've never heard anybody say. New hobby we're going to pick up. Most of us live this way all the time. It just gets highlighted and concentrated and it becomes a bit of a problem during the Christmas season. And we think, we're just going to get through it. We're just going to get through it. I mean, we've got to have the dinner. we got to my feet over. we got to have the thing. We've got to go to the event. And some of these words were also his death and his suffering. I the prophet gave us a picture of who he is and who he's supposed to be for us. Now, when we went through the last series called entitled Pile," we were preparing for Thanksgiving, and my hope is that you would engage in a few habits of thankfulness and gratitude that would change your perspective about where you are and how God takes care of you. I think that was my. Hope. It doesn't change what you have. It doesn't change your circumstances. It doesn't change the problems that you're dealing with, but it changes how you see them. Right? I mean, it changes your perspective about how God is active and involved in your life. Well, my hope is that the next few weeks, what we talk about today, might change your perspective about this Advent season. translations, uh, they translate this Hebrew word, repentance and repentance and rest and quietness and trust. But I love this translation that uses the word returning because it is describing a person who has been out and busy and active and doing, 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 doing. And they return from that activity to a place of being still with God. They return Repentance has the same idea as somebody that is moving one direction towards activity, towards busyness, and then makes it about face and goes the other direction towards quietness and stillness. Returning can easily be translated to withdraw and just move back. idol of our culture, being productive, being effective, getting it done. When we want something done, you've been told, I've been told, look for somebody who is what? Busy, because they're going to get it done for you. They're going to take care of it. You won't look for somebody who's lazy to get something done. No, the lazy people are being restful and quiet. And they're doing all those kinds of things. I want somebody who's busy because I value making Here's what it says. A thousand will flee at the threat of what? That's not And you may not get it right away, but you will if you take your time with it. When the prophets write, they use these incredible images and these pictures They use what we would call the prophetic imagination. They're gonna paint pictures. Well, so sometimes it's a physical picture. Jeremiah buried a cloth near the riverbed and pulled out a rotten sash to help you to understand their sinfulness, right? This is a prophetic imagination that Isaiah is using. He's painting a picture, hyperbole that doesn't make any sense at all. He's saying, there's going to be a moment in your life where a thousand will flee, a thousand will run, a thousand will retreat because of the threat of one. Why would that happen? Can you imagine? Why would a thousand feel threatened and one? He goes on to say, not as bad, but it's a threat of, Amen. Here's what happens. A thousand will flee at the threat of one, and at the threat of five, we all turn and wrath. In other words, the prophet is saying, if you don't learn how to slow down, and be quiet, and be still. We focus on what is true, small t and quotes, true. Stuff is true in our life that we have to deal with and tend to, and we can't ignore it. You know, it's the reality of living and breathing in this world. And we lose sight of what is capital T true. Small T true. You don't have a job. It's true. Some of you have dealt with this in the last year. You've been without employment, and you've been when is God going to show up? When is He going to make things come together? When are they going to say yes? When is the resume going to be in place? It's true, you don't have a job. It's small, it's true. It describes your circumstances, and what you're dealing with is very clear. That the bank accounts dwindling, your future is insecure. You're not sure how you're going to get the bills paid. Maybe your business isn't doing what it should. Maybe you're dealing with grief in your family because of a loss. Whatever it is, these are your circumstances, and they are. Small t-true cannot be avoided. You're <laughs> thinking every turn. It's absolutely true. And that is your focus when we lose perspective. What I say is calling us to focus on, to put it at the very front of what's happening in our life, what it is capital T-true, in other words, it's true for all people, in all times, in all times. T. capital T true I know you've got the diagnosis you're dealing with the health issue, you and in that moment you can absolutely begin to lose faith when you focus on what is a small t true it's true you're sick it? it's true you don't know what the future holds it's true you have no idea how God may or may not show up in the middle of what you're experiencing but here's what is capital T true Jesus is the great
1: physician
0: he's always met your needs and his promise is that he will never leave you you'll always be The God is good, and He is sovereign. a thousand will flee, at a threat of one, and it's a threat of five, you will all flee away, till you are, what? Till you are left, like a flagstaff on a mountaintop, what's the only thing on the mountaintop, what's a flagstaff? Why do they put it there, where well, there's nothing else in the way, and the flagstaff is it's all, what? Alone, it's all alone. Like a banner on a hill. And again, you got to use your prophetic imagination to understand what Isaiah is trying to communicate. You will feel like you are completely alone. In fact, you will lose perspective and you will be the flagstaff on a mountain, the banner on the hill, and you will feel like no one is with you, like you're the only one that cares, like you're the only one that's pulling on the right direction. You're the only one that's taking care of business. Have you felt that way? Have you ever felt that way? Maybe you have said this very thing. It's right out of Scripture. I am the only one left. How oh, many of you said that the last week? You're, excuse me, said me, last week. Maybe oh, you said it Thursday while you're cleaning up the mess from all the people that ate at your house and everybody's off playing dominoes or something else, and you looked around at all the mess, and you said, I am the only one left." Some you will say it on Christmas Eve when you're fighting the crowd at Walmart and nobody got the stocking gifts, yes. and there you are in line with a thousand other angry people cursing every name of every person in your family, and you will say, "I am the only one left." The dude who said this, everybody knows him: Elijah. He had some incredible success. In fact, he was really busy, just like you during Christmas season. He was very engaged with his life, and he had this incredible experience against the prophets of Baal, all kinds of a big showdown. super bowl of prophets, if you will. Mount Carmel, the prophets of Baal were vanquished, and Elijah comes out with one true God of Israel, victorious, and he has some work to do. He is busy and he is tired. But finally, he loses perspective completely. And he says, I am the only one left. And so God calls them to get restored and spend time alone. Spend time in quiet. And so when you read the story, you'll see that he was alone, fell asleep and rested where he He has these experiences and next the fire rages down the face of the mountain, consumes everything in its path. And yet the scripture says, the God was not in the fire. So he waits. He waits in quiet. He waits in silence. Because it is only God. When you are worn out, when you are spent, when you have given everything that you can give, it's only God that can restore you. It's only God that can meet your need. And so then, First King says this, after the fire came, what? A gentle whisper. I don't know why the text says this in our English translation. It's a horrible translation. That's why he shows up. For some of us, the most fearful thing in the world is to allow that dust to settle. Because then we will have to face our own issues that we maybe do not trust. That we believe that if God would certainly put our future in our hands, we can handle it better than him. And we thought that. We grace and mercy that you have extended to us. Because you have your way with us, so that you can bless us with all that you long to give us. So during this Advent season, Lord, we ask that you give us the courage, the persistence, the wisdom to seek you.